All right, it's Jason Snell and Monty Ashley back talking about the game, the uh, the Game of Thrones, just Game of Thrones, the Lion of the Rose, the latest episode, and uh, I guess we should start with the uh, the big news, which <laughs> yeah, is that do- Shay was sent away on a boat. She got an escort. That's nice. A lot of people have to find their own way to the boat. But Tyrion looked out for her and yeah. made sure she had it. Somebody to show her where the boat was. I think she may have a boat phobia. She seemed to not want to go on the boat. Yeah. That, maybe that explains why she had to ride that cart all the way from Winterfell to King's Landing in the uh, first season. Right. It's, uh... Yeah, so that... <laughs> so he was very mean to her. He kept calling her a whore, which... I mean, technically. Well, she was a whore, but I don't think she's been, like, working as a whore for a couple of seasons now. Right. I mean, she's been helping out Sansa, right? Yeah, she's a, she's a legitimate professional handmaiden at this point. Yeah, exactly. Well, I, I think Tyrion is uh, trying to hurt her and get her to go, right? Because he knows that she's going to get the uh, get the chop if she sticks around. Yeah, it's a Harry and the Henderson situation, really. Wow, that's a deep reference. Um, So Ramsay Bolton is bad. Yeah, they uh, would really like us to know that Ramsey Bolton is a bad dude who does bad things. And he needs a shave, by the way. He doesn't. Well, everybody on this <laughs> show needs a shave. I am shocked to learn that Theon knows how to operate a razor blade. <laughs> it's. I mean, they're, obviously they're proving here that, that Theon can be... The whole point of all of the scenes with Ramsey and Theon this week is to show that... Uh, he has been so thoroughly mind, you know, controlled, brainwashed, and tortured that he can even uh, shave. Um, it's a little bit like, uh, can I play the piano now? <laughs> well, I couldn't before. <laughs> it's like he can shave. He can shave people now, but um, obviously, without he, he's given every reason to like cut the throat of Ramsey, and he just uh, he can't do it because he's been brainwashed. And 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 in in this, Ramsey shows to Roose Bolton that he has some value, which is kind of interesting because that's the dynamic of like the the bastard who's trying to prove himself to his father. Yeah, I thought it was nice, although I didn't care that much about the internal workings of the Bolton family, that we got to see whether Roose approved of this random torture. And it seemed like he kind of disapproved for tactical reasons, not so much. Because right. he he's opposed to random sadism. I did like the the exchange, which is what you made you did things without my approval. He said, you left me in charge. What do you want yeah. me to do? Like, you gave me this cool place called the Dreadfort. The Dreadfort. Of course, I flayed him. I flayed him a little. Hey, we flay people. It's what we do. It's the Dreadfort. We got to live up to the name. There's got to be yeah. dread. They also advanced the plot a little in that scene because this is where Roos learns that Bran and Rickon are still alive. Yeah, that was good, because this is that key moment that, that Theon faking their not being able to kill them, and so getting the two farmer's boys and and killing them and burning their bodies, finally comes back where this information is out there. It's been assumed that all the, the Stark boys are gone, and now he realizes um, that's a problem. If if he wants to take over Winterfell and, and rule the entire North, um, having Stark boys out there is a bad thing. Because, as we all know, everybody in the North will automatically rally behind the Starks. They just love the Starks. They didn't seem to love Rob Stark that much. <laughs> no, he had to he had to ki- like kill some of his bannermen and stuff in order to keep them in line. But no, apparently, I don't know. You know, if you're Roose Bolton, I think, I think they, I think the Boltons have a uh, 
despite their awesomely named Dreadfort, a uh, little inferiority complex to the to the Starks, right? It's like if the Starks are around, we're going to have a hard time because nobody likes us because we flay people. Um, so you know they don't want any Starks. They don't want to make any any have any chance that they are not going to be able to take over the North by stomping you know the Starks out of existence. I don't know. I I feel like the correct play is just to start stomping people and see if the people of the North would maybe like an end to all this constant war. We'll just say, right. fine, you're our leaders now. Play who you like. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. They they, they definitely have a complex about the Starks. That That's for sure. Uh, what what else? Uh, anything else? Oh, they sacrificed? Some people got burned alive? Yeah. Um, we were reminded that Davos does not approve of Melisandre's ways. Right. And Melisandre discussed religion with Stannis' daughter, which is nice. A thing. Um, was Stannis' wife super crazy before? Because she's super crazy now. Well, you know, nobody's as devout as a new convert. Hmm. Yeah, but she's like... I mean, she's 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 out there. She's like, my brother was just burned alive. Didn't you hear his screams? It was happy. He's in a better place now. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> Wow. Yeah, I feel like just because pregnant women scream does not mean that all screaming is coming from a good place. So yeah, that was really not a good bit of proof. I did <laughs> that's not enough on its on its own. Well see. That, pregnant that women scream. Not... They hate kids and they love their kids, so you know. Doesn't work. No. And we also got to see a bit of Bran. Yeah, Bran did a mind meld with a with a tree. He got to see the future, a giant dragon flying over a city. Mm. That sounds cool. Sure. It was all all kind of jumbled up together. We also saw the past, right? We saw Ned Stark's face and all of that all of that stuff. And he and a voice said north. <laughs> which is Which uh, is convenient because that's the direction they were going anyway. It was either that or he asked them what Rob Reiner's first really bad movie was. Zing. Oh, that's an old one. Classic. But a good one. Um, no, I like the brand stuff. I like, I like, he's a, he's a really interesting character. They have to pull him back from the brink because he's spending too much time um, as a warg in animal bodies where he can actually move around and isn't stuck being carried on a litter. Yeah, but you can't eat that way, apparently, which right. is an important, uh, I like it when they establish the rules of their crazy magic. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. He's going to he can live in their bodies, but then his own body starves and will die if uh and then he's, you know, apparently I guess gone. I guess he just would be a wolf then yes, or something. Yes. He'd stuck he'd be stuck being an awesome dire wolf instead of a crippled boy. <laughs> yeah. They the, which might be great except we need you. You're part of the our big plan or something, says Jojen. They've got a plan to I'm not sure to go north. Go north. That's what their plan is. Yeah, at least they have a direction. Yeah. That's, there yeah. are people on the show without a plan. They're all already pretty far north, and they just got to keep going. It's kind of going to be kind of interesting, given that John and and Mance Raider and all of those people have are headed south. It's interesting that these guys are headed north, right into the heart of whatever the White Walkers have, which is interesting. Yeah, and I felt like that kind of took away from the drama of... Roose Bolton saying, we'll go after them at Castle Black because Bran's already passed Castle Black. Right. Right. It's, uh, 
that's like that's that's the excuse for going to Castle Black, but clearly they're not they're gone already. Yeah. All right, there was also a wedding and lots and lots of of lead up to weddings. Sort of half the episode was spent in King's Landing at the wedding. Yeah. The it was uh, fun. Yeah, I really liked uh, the scene where Tywin Lannister is sparring with uh, with old lady Tyrell. Yeah, that I was think great. that's another of those scenes that are added that aren't in the books, which are becoming my favorite thing. <laughs> because I know there's already the plot that's been established in these giant tomes, but this was more, here are two characters with distinct points of view expressing it to each other and i think that's fun well yeah and then the exchange later between oberon martell and tywin and cersei similarly it's you know it's (laughs) there's a lot of exchanges of well polite society dictates that i be polite here while also telling you what exactly what i think of you yeah Um, although i'm not sure how polite this society is really Well, they, they they seem to have the pretenses of, you know, you say Lord and Lady and you, you know, you do, you're, you're polite to a point, I guess, until you murder people. But I, I love the Oberon exchange. I was skeptical about him last week, but this week it was really nice because there's that great moment where it's like, well, you know, in some, in some uh, places, lowborn are mistreated and uh, considered not part of the population. In some places, rape and murder are considered bad things. <laughs> <laughs> It's very good, very good. Uh, you could see, uh, and I think the response was, "It's a shame your brother couldn't come." <laughs> yeah, that was good. Um, I liked uh, Brienne. She oh, Brienne. looked very uncomfortable in a dress. Right, doesn't know how to curtsy, and Cersei called her out for being in love with Jamie. All and- of which I thought were really uh, fun character moments that advanced. That kept Brienne around, really, because she doesn't have a role right now. Right, right, and she and she has no answer for being told she loves Jamie. She has no answer. Yeah, she just nothing. Which is Brienne's an interesting character. She also gets called on having all the different. You know, you're working for Renly, and then you're working for Catelyn Stark, and then you're working for Jamie, and it's too bad because you know she tries to be. She tries to be friendly. She's like, well, you know, we, we had some adventures with, she says to Cersei, we had some adventures and he saved me many times. She's saying nice things about her brother and Cersei is having none of it. She's not, she's going to immediately go for all the insults and, and put her off her guard, which is it's such a contrast between those two characters. Well, Cersei just seems angry at everybody. She's, she's angry so at Pycelle for picking no, up really. on that girl. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And she, I wasn't sure whether she successfully countermanded Marjorie's order or she was just trying to see if she still had the power to do that. But, right, well, right, because she shouldn't, right? And then Oberyn uh, knows that that's a point that is going to bug the hell out of her and kept, keeps saying, well, I, you know, you were the queen regent. Now I guess you're just, you know, you're just a lady. <laughs> well, she's the mother of the queen that carries with it certain... You know, the right to wear a fancy hat, I expect. Sure, but she's no longer, you know, basically in charge of the, you know, of the king because the king is a kid. Now it's, she's just the queen mum. Well, I don't think she's, 
Christie, I don't think she's actually been in charge since Tywin got back. Yeah, I guess you're right. I guess you're right. I mean, it depends on on who's. Yeah, you're right. I guess she she always was feeling like she had some sort of sway over Joffrey, although it's become less and less as time has gone on, which yeah, drives her a, crazy. She had a scene last season where she was angry where that she couldn't just be the hand of the king. Right. Because I think she'd be good. She's Sure. She's conniving, cunning. Yeah. Yeah, vicious. She's all the things a good hand of the king needs to be. She's very smart. But no, I, I feel like this is the moment where she can't pretend anymore that she has any of the power she had when she was queen back in the day. Like it's all evaporated now. Her son, her, you know, her father is the hand. Her son is now married. So she's not even the only queen around. She's not the queen anymore, period. And hasn't been for some time. And that's that, you know, I'm, it bugs the hell out of her. She's, she's really angry at everybody. Although by the end of the episode, she's found something else to be angry about. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, so Joffrey orders little people to come in and act as the as the five kings, which leads but to that scene reminded me a lot of a scene in Time Bandits. Yes, yes. In fact, I wouldn't. I didn't recognize Mike Edmonds in there, but I thought one of them might have been somebody who was in Time Bandits. Hmm. And of course, this doesn't amuse Tyrion at all, as it as it shouldn't. It is. It is. Uh, we should mention that Tyrion Brit gives Joffrey a uh, a book uh, that's important for the for the learning of kings, and then the next present is a a sword that Joffrey uses to chop the book into bits. So and they should call it. He's looking for a name. I, might I suggest book chopper? Just book chopper, book slicer, <laughs> word gouger, something like that. Joffrey was actually polite for one second after he got the book. <laughs> yeah, but he was like grimacing and looking at his at his uh at his grandfather the whole time, yeah. right? Okay, thank you. You know he's just waited for the the moment to to drop the hammer. So anyway, the, the, obviously there's this huge tension between Joffrey and Tyrion. Yeah, and, he's he's piling on Tyrion so much throughout the episode as soon as we get to the uh reception. Yeah, it's not it's 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 more and more awkward and then he makes Tyrion be his cupbearer and kicks the cup around and and by, tries to get him to uh, tries to get him to fight the other little people before by that. By that point Tyrion that's when Tyrion is already muttering we'll have to find another way to thank the king. <laughs> and and then, um, and Marjorie keeps trying to, to, to her credit, right? She's oh, trying yeah. to just get him, to get Joffrey off on another subject. She doesn't, she doesn't want to go down this path. But Joffrey will not be stopped, right? Every time you think maybe Joffrey is distracted by this or that, he always comes right back to Tyrion. So he's just never going to let it go. Well, it's his special day, Jason. It is. It is. He it's, is a bro- it's the day a every boy dreams of. <laughs> Yeah, he is. He's the ultimate bridezilla. Um, and knowing what was coming, I thought it was fun that the cup comes close to Joffrey a couple of times before he actually drinks from it. Right. Right. I, knowing knowing what was going to come, I also really loved. There's a line a little bit earlier on where uh, where old lady Tyrell says, "Who would kill a man at a wedding?" 
Yes, I wrote that down. <laughs> war is war, but killing a man at a wedding. Horrid. What sort of monster would do such a thing? As if men need more reasons to fear marriage. <laughs> That's foreshadowing, folks. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's really good. So, so um, finally... Joffrey drinks drinks this wine, and they have the, the doves coming out of the pie, and he eats some of the pie, and he thinks, oh, it's dry. I'm going to drink some more of my wine, and he begins to cough and choke, and uh, and he falls down and is dead. Dead, dead, dead. Right after Sansa had been—Sansa and Tyrion almost got out of there, too. Right, right. They're trying to, trying to get out— and this this actually parallels very much my my memory of of the book, which is unlike so many deaths in this uh, in the show and in the book series. This is the one that's sort of like, well, lots of people really want Joffrey dead. Who did it? Because Tyrion has lots of reasons to to hate Joffrey, but Tyrion, you know who. Tyrion didn't maneuver himself into being the cupbearer or anything. That was Joffrey's idea. It's complete happenstance that Tyrion ends up right in the crosshairs when when Joffrey drops dead. And in the books, it seems, at least for a while, fairly clear that it's that uh, we don't really know who has offed Joffrey because, quite frankly. Whoever did it is a patriot. <laughs> yeah, and and uh, and may, they may have their own reasons, their own machinations. But Joffrey's so bad that it's like people who didn't have a reason to murder Joffrey, other than I mean, really, maybe other than Marjorie. But you could even argue even Marjorie. So, who- well, Cersei, Cersei seemed to like Joffrey. Yeah. Well, I mean, she I, felt she had to, but she, he she knew he was a monster, but she was his monster, hopefully, and. Yeah, she was clearly upset. And I, I imagine that Tywin Lannister wouldn't choose for Joffrey to die, but, he, you know, given that he's got a backup king <laughs> well, a little brother, then, you know. I think Tywin would prefer if Joffrey were to die, he not do it right after the big marriage. Right. That just seems inconvenient. Yeah. Yeah, bad timing all around. I hope, boy, I hope Marjorie can get this one annulled. <laughs> they probably didn't have time to consummate it. Yeah, well, no, they were right there. We, we just saw it all on screen, so there was no, there was no chance. He pours, you know, last acts of Joffrey, just cruelty to his uncle. Um, freeze, freeze some birds, freeze yeah. some birds from a pie. That's nice. So structurally, they normally have the penultimate episode of the season be the one where big stuff goes down right, just like where, in the wire right yeah that's where ned got killed in the first season that's where you had the blackwater episode mm-hmm. was the second episode right. from the end and the red and, wedding yeah and this season they had the second episode from the beginning be the one that was written by george R. R. martin when he should have been writing books yes <laughs> Well, writing him, he's just writing it again. He already wrote this. He's just writing it again. It's pretty much the same. Not not a lot of work, I'm sure. Yeah, it is funny. But uh, given that th- these two seasons, this season and last season, are are both parts of one book, that this is one of the challenges I think the producers had is they need the story to move along at a pace that is reasonable. 
and yet they want to hit these right these big moments in the right places. So I think they solved for the Red Wedding last season. They were like, we're going to have that be episode nine. Yeah. And then this season, they, they they look at the rest of the book and they're like, okay, we need to get the rest of this book in. How do we plot that out? And you can't let Joffrey dying wait until episode nine. You can't do it. <laughs> So you know, I I thought they might do it in the premiere, but they they didn't. They wanted to remind us where everybody was first, and then boom, here we are. He's gone. Yeah, last last week was the table setting episode that was almost entirely just reminding everybody. Right here's who these people are. Here's this little brat. You hate him, right? You really hate him. All <laughs> right, now let's start killing people. <laughs> <laughs> now it's time. We just we, we wanted to give you one week. To remember how awful Joffrey... Boy, this episode, though, I wrote down several times how awful, knowing what was coming, just like, boy, Joffrey is awful. He is so awful. Yeah. And it's like, good... I, I think this was him maybe at his worst. So it's great in that way. I didn't I didn't feel... Other episodes last year made me feel like um, that dread of like, oh, God, this guy is in charge. This yeah. is going to be horrible. This episode didn't do that. This episode was, this is a horrible human being. And, yeah, he was being yeah. specifically malicious. Just personally cruel and awful. Yeah. So, now that the character's dead, we can say Jack Gleason did a great job. He did. He was I, he was definitively, I mean, he, yeah. He's I've such, seen him so out awful. of character. He does not have that expression on his face. <laughs> he made himself punchable. <laughs> It's a, it's quite a quite a thing. I I wasn't when uh, I got my Entertainment Weekly a few weeks ago and he was on the cover, and I thought to myself, well, you got to put him on the cover now because this is it. <laughs> this is he's not going to be around very long. So, but everybody loves to hate Joffrey, and he did a great job of of and really of gr- having him grow from being kind of a minor league sadistic prince to being a like big league sadistic king. He did. Yeah actually show some some negative progression in that way which is i mean it is part of the performance yeah when we first see him he's really just trying to impress sansa by being by bad. showing that he can beat up the stable boy or whoever that was right yeah now he's gone pro by the time <laughs> we get here he's really good at all being bad at all this stuff yeah no he did a great job and and I guess I'd say we'll miss him, but we we won't miss him. I liked having a character with no shades of gray in him. <laughs> it is true. Even in the books, Joffrey is pretty... Nobody has like a... It's not like... like Jamie Lannister, you start out thinking, oh, this guy is the worst. And then there's yeah. a progression to where you actually are sympathetic to him, which my he wife was saying today. Of, he shoved a kid out of a tower... While having sex with his sister. Right. And yet we kind of like him by now. But yeah. Joffrey has no arc like that. Joffrey never gets redemption. He is awful. He is a mad, evil king. And then he dies. <laughs> it's actually, uh, yeah, that's not bad. That's not bad. This is like, for people who want like a good good news episode of Game of Thrones, I think this might be as good as, as you're going to get. It's not like, yay, everybody wins. It's more like, hey, somebody bad died now. Good people have died all the time, too. But finally, a really bad dude got it. Yeah, but what about poor Tyrion? Yeah, he's he's totally screwed now, isn't he? I mean, they're, they're dragging him away to the... You know, to the to the cells for this, and he's going to get his relationship with his sister and his and his father is already 
his father already knows about <laughs> about Shay, right? So so he, yeah. he you know that was like if you do that. So he's got a whole list of reasons why he he wants to be mad at Tyrion, and now he's got Joffrey's death, which you know because we know the facts of the world of Game of Thrones. If if it's expedient for them to blame him, they will do that, right? Yes, doesn't matter. But that who leaves did it. Ty- that leaves Tywin without a son. He's currently calling son. Right. Well, he, he has to like. I mean, there's just that Jamie thing of of you know, and Jamie doesn't want to be doesn't want to be the lord of uh of Casterly Rock, right? He doesn't want to do that, although he may given his uh we didn't mention he's got that there's that nice thing where Jamie and Braun have their little their little uh test fight that I liked a lot actually. I li- anything with Braun in it, frankly. Yeah. I liked that because Braun wasn't holding back at all, which is what Jamie needs even though he was outraged by it. Right. I also liked just for my own edification that they put in a line saying that Jamie's new hand is gilded steel. Right. So it's not solid gold, which would be impractical. Right. Good to know. But it's good and hard, so he could walk somebody if he really needed to. Right, and that's what he needs to do is learn fighting techniques. But yeah, so it's a it's a tough uh, situation for the Lannisters. They seem to have won everything, and yet it's kind of a mess because Tyrion is uh, is is going to be in the clink, and Jamie doesn't want to go back to Casterly Rock. He wants to stay in the King's Guard. Um, good job guarding the King, by the way. Yeah, way to go. Where were you, leader leader of the King's Guard? Yeah, mouthing off at Loras Tyrell. Was that your plan? Yeah, yeah. He's harmless. Come on, he is harmless. He's good at jousting, but you know he's not gonna. Yeah, come on. So, yeah, it's not good for, for the the Lannisters. By all rights, are like they've they've got it all wired, and now it's a complete disaster. That's kind of interesting. Meh, they'll be fine. <laughs> they pay their debts, you know. I've always wondered about that. How many debts do you have to run up to where <laughs> that's your family motto? Yeah, I I guess like, it, I guess it's like the you know you can trust us when we ask you for something we you know you'll get it back in return or something. But it doesn't come across like we are frequently indebted. Yeah, they're basically wimpy that they are always borrowing hamburgers. But they're saying, listen, you know me, I always pay you Tuesday. Yeah, that's every right. single time. That's right. That's wimpy slogan. That's wimpy slogan. I always pay you Tuesday for that hamburger today. Yes. Yeah, not really the greatest endorsement because that means they're kind of mooches. They're borrowing all the time, but they pay it back. It is strange. What else about this episode, Monty? Anything else that we didn't? Hodor. I just throw that in there. Hodor. <laughs> it's nice to see Hodor, I guess. He's kind of a one note character. <laughs> yes, and that, that note like him. is Hodor. Well, he carries Bran around. He's like a chair or other piece of furniture that <laughs> is useful for Bran. And he talks. Talking furniture. Come on. I have no further notes on this episode. I thought it was fun. Yeah, I thought it's always it's nice to see Joffrey die. It's It's great. I've been waiting for that that for years now. He's the worst. (laughs) It's so bad. And that's what makes it so good, but he's so bad. He's so bad. And he's so mean to Tyrion. To to line up a bunch of little people to come and perform. Just, I mean, he's choosing the entertainment at his wedding just to humiliate his uncle. That is, that, like I said, that is pro-level 
jerk. Well, right. he also mixed in some humiliation of Loras Tyrell. Sure. And, uh, well, let's not forget Sansa, too, because there's the whole miming of uh, the death of... Many references to the death of Ned Stark tossed in just lightly for everybody to laugh about except for Sansa. Nice. I liked uh, Marjorie's dress. I did not notice her dress. It was nice. Maybe she can use it again. I'm sure it was. Was Was it low cut? Uh, it, it, it reveals things about her, yes. I understand that she's wearing low-cut dresses specifically to annoy Cersei. Okay, well... Which she should probably stop doing now. Yeah, yeah. Because her meal ticket's dead. Yeah, exactly. At least she's got, uh, Old Lady Tyrell, who is Lady Olena, but I just like calling her Old Lady Tyrell. Um, at least she's got her doing machinations behind the scenes. But yeah, it's, it's a tough situation if you're the betrothed of the king and then the king is is uh is axed tough situation to be in a little kind of tricky they've been positioning it for all this unless they're the ones who poisoned him but i'm just saying she's she's there before saying who would who would kill a guy at a wedding there is a really good shot where Tyrion picks the uh cup up off the table and Olena's face is then revealed behind it, watching everything. Yep. But then as soon as Joffrey's dying, she has one of the best lines in the series, which is, Idiots, help your king. <laughs> Doesn't say which idiots she's talking to, but presumably it's whatever idiots ought to be helping. Right. Right. Everybody, I think, is who she means. All of Westeros. Yes. Yeah, I liked it too. Yay. Ding dong, Joffrey is dead. 